please join me in welcoming, ladies and gentlemen, this evening's guest moderator, Ezra Morris, and tonight's guest, Mikhail Kennedy. Hello, everyone. I'm Ezra Morris. Hey, I'm Mikhail Kennedy. Thanks for coming. So, Mikhail, let's talk a little bit about what initially drew you to Polaroid. It's your main medium. When did you start? Where were you in your life? Um, the Polaroid thing was really actually an accident, more or less. Uh, I was trying to think about this last night. I can't remember where I actually found my first Polaroid camera. I think it was in a thrift store in Massachusetts. Um, it was a Polaroid SX-70 that was made in the 70s and is this little camera that kind of expands. And honestly, I just started kind of playing around with it, uh, experimenting with expired films that we would find on eBay and things like that. Uh, at the same time, a good friend of mine, Mandy Lamb, had started doing the same thing. I think she actually started before me. Uh, and she and I would buy bulk batches of film that kind of actually like this one is a perfect example, would have varying effects, like you never really knew what you would get when you shot the picture. And that was 1999. Uh, we started traveling for a few years after that, kind of bouncing around. And during this whole time, I was shooting Polaroids, not really thinking much of it, just kind of, I had a grid, on, uh, a grid of them on the wall of my apartment at the time. Where did the idea come to start to put it all together, to present it to other people? Uh, you mean into Passport to Trespass? Yeah, or? When, when you started to build up the body of work, uh, when did it start to come together that maybe you would like to exhibit it to other people? Uh, I mean, Passport to Trespass, uh, which is a web blog that I ran um, from 2006 to about 2011, that really just, that actually, that I would say was the first moment when I started thinking about them in that manner. Uh, prior to that, I literally just would put them in boxes or like old wooden crates I would find as I traveled. Um, but in 2006, I had just moved to New York and I'd been doing series of other photo projects the entire time as I was traveling, but I suddenly had this huge pile of literally thousands of Polaroids that I started going through and I realized, I kind of suddenly realized what I'd been doing for the last six years, seven years. And what sort of things, when you were traveling, where were you going? And uh, what, who, who were you encountering in that um, time period? Travel, travel's always been a really big part of the work that I do, um, or I guess my life in that sense. Uh, when I was little, I was born in Vermont, and when I was growing up, my older brother left, probably when I was about 16, and started hopping freight trains around the country. And we, my little brother and I would get home these like, little handwritten letters from him, explaining, like, oh, I just hopped freights into, like, Iowa for the Hobo Convention or something like that. So from a very early age, the idea of kind of bouncing around America was really fascinating to me. Uh, I didn't actually even leave the country until I was 25 because I spent so much time bouncing around. Uh, I left Vermont when I was 17. I did a little time in college in Massachusetts, dropped out for a little while, kind of bounced around, went back and ended up spending my senior year living out of my car for three months, just driving around the country. And that was kind of the first big trip that I did that started this kind of constant roaming that's gone on for the last 12 years or so. And so that and during all of Passport to Trespass, that was sort of documenting your travels. And do you feel like uh, now you've reached a different point in your life? Do you feel like that, that Passport to Travel has concluded? What's your relationship now to, uh, to the past? Well, when I start, I mean, my relationship to the past, uh, I guess it's kind of two different yeah. sections of it. Uh, 
when I started Passport to Trespass, I kind of realized that I was doing this and I was traveling and I was taking all these pictures and I w simply wanted something to do with them. I was sick of just putting them under my bed. Um, so I started the blog and I started putting them up and kind of, I would travel and at the end of every week or every couple days I would put up pictures and kind of tell this little story of where I'd been. And let me think where. That went everywhere from, you know, living in Seattle to living in Denver, a lot of time in New Hampshire. Uh, I used to travel with hardcore bands, just kind of bouncing around the country. Um, and as Passport to Trespass grew and kind of became a bigger thing, I started publishing books off of it, uh, little limited edition books, because I wanted... It was important to me that the online version had like a physical archive of it. Is that because of the physical nature of Polaroid that you wanted to have that? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Uh, specifically with like where photography is today, I think the physical nature of the Polaroid is actually one of the most important things about it. Uh, in every exhibit that I do, we're exhibiting just the actual Polaroid. Um, and I have nothing against what anyone else does in terms of exhibiting stuff, but I think if you're talking about putting up art, I think it needs to be limited or it needs to be special in some manner. And I felt like taking the work offline and building a book out of it actually kind of enhanced that and took it a little further. So as far as like what goes on today with uh, almost constant self-documentation, and so much of your work is uh, self-documentation, but so many people, it's as though every moment of their life is recorded. How does that contrast with what you do as far as documenting your own life, but then sort of sculpting it into a presentation for other people to see? It kind of doesn't make sense uh, in a lot of ways because to me it's one, I mean, it's one of the things about culture now that I find completely irritating and kind of we're overwhelmed with photography and everyone's always at you know, shows taking pictures of themselves or taking pictures of the band or something like that and not actually existing in the moment, which is a very odd thing for me to say having spent so long documenting my life in this manner. Um, and I would set up kind of like safeguards as I was doing it to stop myself to somehow exist a little bit more in the moment where when I would travel I would shoot them but I wouldn't actually look at the Polaroids until I got home. Sometimes I would take them and put them in my pocket. Um, but it is true, I mean, for that, for those six years, seven years, whatever it was, uh, I was documenting my life and I actually got really uncomfortable with that by the end, which is why when I shut down Passport to Trespass in 2011, one of the main impetuses was that I kind of felt like I was running a reality TV show. Like it didn't seem like, it didn't feel as free as it used to be. And I felt like there was expectations of what was going on on it. Did, so ha, did that was in your mind? Did that start to infect you as you were in the moment that maybe you, were, you have your camera in your hand and then you're like, is this worth it? Is this a good shot? Is this going to feed into what I want people to see? Yeah, totally. I mean, we have uh, everything that happens nowadays, like you put it up on Facebook and you get a thumbs up immediately or you get these always instant immediate gratifications. Like, and I don't think there's time for art projects to kind of gestate and build the way they used to be. Uh, there's been a lot of writing recently on photography blogs about people putting up work mid-project or something like that and not really taking the time, like Robert Frank's America, which, you know, he traveled for Lord knows how many years and shot it and then sat down and edited thousands of photos into 12 or 20 or whatever the final books became. And I don't think that that, I don't think we really have that opportunity to do that anymore, which was another reason that I actually started taking the work offline, 
if that answers your question. Yeah, I think it does, yeah. So, as far as uh, the goal of Passport to Trespass, of the work, as far as it being a representation of a version of your life, do you hope it to be inspiring to the audience? I mean, I think everyone hopes that whatever they produce inspires people in some way. I would think if you were putting something out into the world, there wouldn't be any other reason other than to try and create a reaction or to move someone in some manner. Um, when I was like a young punk rock kid, I made this, the first book I ever made was called Still Not Dead, and it was a collection of Holga photographs from when I was traveling. And I used to uh, refer to it as basically like propaganda for life. And I was documenting this group of artists that I was traveling with. We were bouncing around the country at the time, kind of living a like semi-rustic, semi-untechnologically uh, adept life. And I was like, the idea that I could put this out and someone could see it and find it in a bookstore and then be like, well, maybe I don't need to, you know, go to business school or just like offer a different version of a life for someone to lead. So I do find that kind of interesting. Um, and I guess I would say the same thing with the Passport to Trespass. I was trying to basically show a vision of a life that I saw or a way that I wanted to live my life that I mean I would I would hope had value right. how close is what you represent actually how close is uh, the representation to your actual life is it, is it pretty uh, um, far removed no not it's funny I mean everyone these are all real people these are all real situations uh, one of the things I actually always loved about the Polaroid camera was that, and this is actually something that I used to write about, about a lot of theory about Polaroid, is that Polaroid is uh, true is a difficult word, but it's kind of a true representation of a moment where there's no zoom lens, there's no option for digital manipulation. Uh, police and insurance companies actually used to use Polaroids as evidence in cases because you could show it in court and no one would question it because that was it. And so in documenting a life, I found that really interesting where they were basically specimens or evidence of a life. Um, taken in that exact moment. Taken in that exact moment. Uh, if I was taking your picture, I would have to be physically this close to you. Uh, I have a weird little list in my head of things I want to get Polaroids of that are mildly dangerous, um, like a tornado or, I mean, a whale's not really dangerous, but a whale. <laughs> you never know. Uh, just things like that where it kind of, be, it also, a little bit of it became sport. Like even in something like that, like trying to get up to the highest point I could get to get a Polaroid of something that people didn't normally have those of. Now, and that idea that it kind of became a sport, did that start to remove you from feeling like you were really present in the, in the moment that you were living? I don't know. I actually have no idea. Um, in terms of being removed from the moment that I was living in, uh, I was gonna have a camera anyway. There was no way I was not going to. Uh, I'd been carrying a camera since I was like 13 or something. Um, so I don't even know if I thought about that option. Uh, sorry, wait, what was the second part of that? <laughs> uh, well, let's, I, was, I was asking if it removed you from being in the moment. But if you, I mean, if it's second nature, it's second nature if you've been doing it since you were 13. Yeah. But working with Polaroid, now that Polaroid doesn't exist anymore, there's mm -hmm. a finite amount. Yep. How has that affected your brain? Uh, well, again, going back to why I think 
or the limitedness of art and the, necess the necessity for art to be unique or special in a manner, I think Polaroid running out makes it that much more so. So I have, you know, 30 packs of good film left in my fridge to shoot. That means I have 300 shots. That makes it all the more valuable. Um, I, was, I used to say that, like, I mean, I don't even think I made this up, but death is what gives things meaning. Something ending is what makes it important. If we lived forever, what would be the point? So running out of Polaroid to me actually becomes the point of what I'm doing at that moment to kind of just be like, well, that was it. That was done. Is it making you slow down? Yeah, definitely. Um, but also shutting down the blog, I think a lot made me slow down, uh, which was kind of the intention. Uh, at the height of the blog, I would say probably between the years of like 2008 to 2011, um, you know, I was putting up five to 10 Polaroids every couple weeks, which is a pretty insane process of shooting constantly and then editing and then putting them up. And I really liked the idea of going back to the point of being able to sit with the work a little while. It was interesting because the first half of the body of work I had shot while I traveled and never done anything with, so I was able to sit with it and edit it down to say, you know, 50 or 100 images. But the second half was just constantly, it was basically the way the world works now, where it's just like instantaneous. You take it, you put it up. And that obviously shifted your attitude towards it. Because then there was, an, the, there was an audience that you knew was there. It was yeah. growing. Um, we were talking about this earlier, but it actually got a little weird because uh, people I was taking, even the people I was taking pictures of became aware of what was going on. Uh, and there were some people I could tell that didn't want their photo taken anymore, uh, which was fine. And I just kind of slowly stopped taking their photo. Uh, but some people, I, people would get recognized on the street and someone would be like, oh, you're so-and-so, like I've seen you in this. And I thought that was really weird and kind of, it was not the original intent and again made it seem more like reality TV or something just so despicable to me that I was kind of done with well, it. Yeah. It, yeah. But go, I mean, at the same time, you, just going back to what you're asking about uh, if this is actually my life or if this is uh, a representation. I mean, every photo that anyone takes is an edited version of reality. You know, there's something else to this side of the frame and something else to this side of the frame that you cut out. Uh, when it comes to life, there's this quote from Carl Jung that I've been using a lot recently where he said, whether or not the stories I tell are true doesn't matter. What matters is that it's my story or that it's my truth. And so as long as the work is still honest and true, whatever's left out I don't think is really important. So for where you are now, Passport to Trespass is concluded. Let's talk about the show that opens tomorrow. Mm -hmm. How is that different than the past work? Um, well, so the first show that I ever did in New York was called Shoot the Moon. Uh, and my gallery and I got a hotel room at the Chelsea Hotel, took out all the furniture, and installed 500 Polaroids on the walls that documented 10 years of that travel. It was basically everything up to that point. And that really was, and this was around the height of the, this was actually before I even decided to end the blog, but this was the height of it where it felt a little too voyeuristic to me. I don't think I really knew what I was doing at the time when it kind of built into that. Um, but that very much was a story of like, then I went here, me and this person went to Seattle, we lived here, we lived, like we moved to New Hampshire, and it was a very chronological sort of story that was getting told, uh, kind of out of my control. Um, and so this next show is nothing like that. It has no, there are no names associated with the photos. It's much more what I consider a vision 
of the world that I was trying to document or create before. Uh, yeah, it's like, I mean, this new show to me is much more abstract. It's much more of almost a dream of what I kind of want the world to be like. The title is Between Dog and Wolf? Well, the title is Between Dog and Wolf, which comes from uh, this old French saying, which I can't say to save my life. Um, the, it, the French saying translates to the hour between dog and wolf, which is sunset or golden hour, which is a really interesting time to take pictures in general. Uh, I was in Wales doing a lecture at the Polaroid Symposium, and one of the speakers kind of like just randomly threw that phrase out. And I immediately wrote it down and went up to him afterwards, and I was like, is that yours? Where'd you get it? I'm going to steal it. Um, but what I, what, what I became fascinated with about the phrase was not... Uh, anything to do with night and day and the timing, but it was the idea of domestic and wild, that there was this shift of priorities in the world. You know, at nighttime, like, all the, it's dark, people are scared, like, it's a very different world. And I started thinking about that in terms of ending the Passport Trespass series, and kind of just in the way that my life was changing at the same time. Uh, obviously, because the work was so entwined with my life, uh, I used to say I don't see a difference between my artwork and my life. Like, they're just, they're two versions of the same thing. And I was no longer a, like, young 20-year-old kid running around the streets at night all fucked up, like, doing whatever. Or just, life changes. You kind of grow older. And I think too many artists get stuck in this point where they keep doing the same thing for the rest of their lives, and they don't know how to change it and kind of get out of it. And I was kind of facing that where... Yeah, I mean, life had changed, and I was facing growing up, I think, a little bit. Now, using the same tools, but to express sort of a, to reach a different goal, what was that process like? Or do you feel like it is a different goal with this new show? I think it's the same goal, and I think it's the same story. Um, because the characters are still there, I think it's just a more refined or polished version of the story. Um, these are actually all images now from the new exhibit. Um, that opens tomorrow. Uh, I used my, a friend of mine reminded me the other day about this thing that I used to say all the time where I was like, I want a life lived. Like, I want a life that when I'm done is worthy of having been lived. Uh, and all of this is kind of wrapped up in that. This idea of exploring an adventure and... I mean, I guess part of this, I think, is just me also figuring out how to live my life and somehow documenting that as I go. When you look back on it, then do you feel like the, is that is a validation to you that you are, that you are living a life? Like, is that the sense you get if you flip through the Passport to Trespass books? Yeah, it's funny. The other day I was, uh, even six months ago, I was emailing with someone and we were talking about, uh, they're like, oh, what have you been up to? Where have you been? And I was like, oh, I haven't done anything. Like, I haven't been anywhere. And then I looked back and there was a stack of Polaroids on my desk that was, you know, 150 deep or something. And I just kind of flipped through them and then I was like, well, I guess I actually have been somewhere. So in a weird way, it also, yeah, I guess it seems like a justification. I also have a shit memory. Like, I can tell you exactly where every photo was taken. I can't tell the dates anymore, so I started uh, using a library stamp to date them on the back right after I would take them. Um, but in some ways, this is now how I remember things. This is I'll look back and I will immediately be able to kind of take myself to that place. Yeah, with that, what's your relationship to nostalgia? Because you're working with such an automatically nostalgic 
format. I mean, are you a person, do you feel like you're always looking backwards because your work is based on your past? I keep saying, um, lately I keep saying the past is pointless, um, which is kind of a flippant answer to it. But uh, I think too often we get caught up in the past uh, and I mean, caught up in the future as well and don't exist in the moment. Like I have a huge, it's very important to me to attempt to live in the moment. Uh, when I did the first show actually at the Chelsea Hotel, uh, people I had traveled with from years before, people who'd done Polaroid work would write me and they're like, you're out of your mind that you're actually gonna be selling the actual Polaroids. Because pe collectors would get the original image and it literally is a piece of my past. It was you know, a day or a moment in my life. And I kind of started to get really excited about that idea and I was like, I'm wiping the slate clean. I was like, like every day of my past that someone takes away gives me the opportunity to go out and travel for two more days. Um, and I kept saying year zero, like this weird idea that I was basically allowed to reset my life and start again. It's like you were selling the pieces of your roots or something. Yeah. Making yourself more Or like roots. selling off my yeah. memories. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the new show is happening, opens tomorrow, and then what's coming next as far as Polaroid work? I mean, it'll be definitely more, I mean, I'm not stopping. That's the thing. Uh, one of the things, actually, going back to when I was originally first traveling and what I'm trying to get back to is that when I started traveling and taking pictures, I would always have another camera with me that I was working on another project that became uh, Still Not Dead or The Odysseus or these other series of shows that I was doing. But all those had very specific rules to them. The Odysseus project was American landscapes, you know, very few people in them, just very rigid confines. And with the Polaroids, there are no confines. It's a picture of a glass of water, a picture of a truck on the highway, you know, my friend, the way the light hits them, like something like that. And that's what I enjoy the most out of it, is actually having no rules to it and just kind of taking pictures of whatever I want. Uh, and I'm just really excited to go back to that, actually. Not having, not putting them up constantly online, just kind of keeping them for myself and doing it why I did it when I first started it, which was because I liked it and it was fun. Yeah. All right. As far as <clears throat> your own travels in the earlier days what were some of the uh, what sort of situations do you find yourself in that uh, it would be hard to you would have been hard pressed to imagine where you are today sketchy situations uh, how bad did it get before it, 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 got did, it didn't really get that bad <laughs> my friend Mandy's gonna make fun of me because I romanticize it a lot um I mean, there were, some, there were some stories that came out when I did the Shoot the Moon show of like, we used to sell our blood in Seattle to buy money, or to get money to buy film because we couldn't get a job. And just like, stupid things you do when you're a young kid. Which again, kind of ties into this shifting thing, is that's just not my life anymore. Um, I don't know, it's, I mean, hitchhiking up and down the coast, stuff like that. I think we're gonna open it up to uh, audience Q&A. Right here. I'm, I'm curious at your math. For every Polaroid you sell, you get two days for the one day, and I want to know why, why you get two for one. I don't know. I kind of made that. I'm really not very good with numbers either. Uh, it just seemed like... Uh, huh? When I was younger, I would have gotten more out of it, yeah. Um, it just seemed kind of... It was more a metaphor for kind of what was happening, that I was literally selling off these actual memories. 
And when you were selling them to a collector or a museum, I was getting paid for it, which is kind of a weird, dirty feeling at some point to be selling your life off, uh, which I think was also part of why people were so shocked by it, who I had traveled with or who I had done the projects with. Um, but it was actually me and a friend of mine, Daniel from Maine, who got in this conversation where he was just like, do it, like everything, like everything must go. And it's this idea of not being precious about it either and not kind of being tied to the past, just being able to kind of, yeah, I guess not being tied to the past, just kind of doing whatever you wanted to do. I have a question all the way over here. How's it going? Um, so I'm fascinated by this because you see so many apps these days uh, that will give you the same type of effect in yeah. somebody's digital photos. Um, when you were preserving these on the scanner, did you find that the additional light on the Polaroid film, did that have any effect on what the original photo looked like versus then what the digital one became? Um, well, in terms of scanning them, it's, it was very important to keep, uh, keep it as close to the original as possible. Like I would actually look at the original Polaroid once I scanned it. Um, only on that idea that then if I ever exhibited it, it would have to be the same thing. You couldn't have seen it in a book. Now at the same time, uh, Polaroids are not archival, so they fade. So even now, some of the images that I've seen are already faded, in, like the ones that are up in the exhibit right now are a little faded from what the original Polaroid or the original scan looks like. That answers that question. Um, in terms of the apps, the hipstamatic stuff, and things like that, right around the tail end of the Passport to Trespass blog was when that first started coming out. I would have people write me and they're like, that's so cool. How do you get your hipstamatic prints to look so cool? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I didn't see any difference in between. You mean from like when I immediately scanned them, the light coming off the scanner tray? No. No, no. I never noticed anything like that. It's more just uh, time and I was, like sunlight. Yeah. So another question back row all the way over here. Hi, Joe. Hello. I'm curious about the future. If you only have 300 images left, are you thinking that you're going to do a specific project with them or are you still, you know, you're saying you have no rules, but with these 300 images, are you going to apply a rule and be like this specific project, or are you going to still be uh, sort of traveling and wild with it? Well, my numbers are off still. Um, so I have probably 300 good shots left. Uh, we kind of got to be like connoisseurs of wine in terms of like vintages of Polaroid when you'd buy them on eBay. Uh, 2008 and 2009 right now is awesome. It's totally usable. Anything before that, you're going to get a really heavy gold tone. Uh, anything before that might not even work. Um, so I have 300 good shots, I'd say probably two or 300 bad shots. And bad shots meaning they're just gonna be a little more messed up. Um, but no, no rules, just whatever. I don't know. So it's not getting like sponge worthy? Sponge worthy? No, not at all. <laughs> Although, I mean, but there is that sense when you're, when you're taking a picture and you realize like you have, I mean, I've actually even been out on the road sometimes and had like, you know, one shot left in my camera and I'm still out for another week, and I'm like, well, what, the, what do I do? And you really do at that moment start realizing, like, yeah, it's cool, I could take this picture, but like, I don't know, what if there's a bear around the corner? Something, you know what I mean? Just anything, like, like you, have, you have no idea what you're gonna Is that on the on. list? I wanna, I wanna know more about the, the dangerous list. Uh, Tornado, fire, bear, obviously. Uh, lightning would be cool, but I don't think that's ever gonna happen. Uh, really, it's tornado, whale. I don't know, I've never seen a whale. I used to work on boats in New Hampshire and I never saw a whale. It's pissed me off this whole time. 
But there is something, I mean, there is something also about, uh, there's something very scientific feeling about the Polaroids when you're doing a documentation like that. Uh, they almost feel like little specimens of life. Like it's trapped in this little white border and there's a glossy sheen over it. And you kind of capture it and take it. And so all things like that, I think, are interesting, you know? Like, uh, pinning bugs or uh, was that taxonomy? Was that where you pin bugs and put yeah. them on the glass? Yeah, very similar. I mean, I think also, uh, I was doing this thing where I was going to my friend's weddings recently. Again, like getting older and life changing. Uh, and I would take a picture of them at their wedding and give them that because that's something that they'll never have that'll kind of exist in that moment. So wedding photography is actually what I'm going to get into. <laughs> From here on out. Yes. Save a buck, you know. I'm just interested, are you going to go to, um, does Fuji uh, make instant film, or, and are you going to go in that direction? Uh, Fuji makes the Instamatic, or Instamax, or something like that, um, which is cool, but it looks, if you'll notice it, like, when you would take a Polaroid at a, at a party on one of the old, like, plastic Polaroid cameras, it would have that very distinct kind of look and feel, um, which these don't have, because they're shot with the SX-70, and because it's expired film. Uh, and it's actually gotten to the point where if a picture comes out too clean, I don't like it. Like if it's too obvious a representation of life or too realistic, I have no interest in it. Um, so no. I mean, and the Impossible Project is making film as well, who are, you know, getting extremely close to having it match Polaroid right now. But when Polaroid's done, to me, this project is done. Like I think it's really important to allow things to die and move on. Cool. Um, thanks for coming out, everybody. Uh, the show. Oh, yeah. The show tomorrow between Dog and Wolf. Yep. Uh, it's at Click Gallery on Center and Broom, 6 to 8 p.m. It's going to be a lot of fun. You should come out. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you again, Mikhail. And just a quick reminder, guys, you can always jump on to apple.com forward slash Soho. Have the best weekend ever.